today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. This whole action speaking louder than words. Some have taken it to the extreme of saying, you know, I'm just going to let my actions speak for me. You need them both. Actions and words. Word and deed. Like two wings on an airplane to keep that thing flying. In other words, your walk matches your talk and vice versa. When we stop to think about the phrase, actions speak louder than words, we can conclude that this isn't necessarily true related to your walk with Jesus. In today's message, Pastor J.D. encourages us to also use our words. People need to know why we live the way we do and be able to choose Jesus for themselves. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Titus chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. So you have to know that this was the spiritual temperature of the day at that time. Well, okay, Pastor, that was then. This is now. Okay, Nothing's changed. I would even argue that it's, it's worse in the church of Jesus Christ today. I think now more than ever in this world that we are living in, this is of paramount importance. Because you see, what we do is we give the enemy a blank check to fill in the amount of mocking and maligning of Christianity, the church of God, the word of God. Can I say it this way? We fully cooperate with the enemy in this regard. It's almost like we're under his employment, doing his job for him. And in so doing, we do so much damage to our witness, to our testimony. You understand, right, that the world is watching us, especially now. They're watching the Christian. Oh, you're a professing Christian? Hmm. I've met a, I've met a few of you over the years, over my lifetime. You're all a bunch of hypocrites. And they're right. You know how when you say, hey, you want to come to church? They go, ah, that church is full of hypocrites. Say, hey, cool. Well, it is, but we we could always use more. There's more seats here. You you come too. You're just a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, we're forgiven hypocrites. The church has been called not a showroom or a showcase for saints, but rather a hospital for sinners. But the world looking in is asking two questions, and we talk about this often. And you know what those questions are? They're asking you of your life, are you the real deal? Or are you just like all the rest of the Christians that I've met? Well, you're a Christian on Sunday mornings. But I've seen what you do on 
Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays. And oh, Sunday morning, put on that Christian smile, drive to church, yell at the kids in the back, pull in, only to find that somebody took your parking spot. And I've seen how you react. Let me ask you this question. It's rhetorical. I ask it of myself. How many times has somebody said to you, well that's not very Christian. There's one side of me that says, oh, so I have a non-Christian telling me that that's not very Christian. I didn't know that they were so proficient in what a Christian is to be as a non-Christian. I mean, there's that side of it, and of course that's the flesh, so nice try. Don't use that one. But why would they ask you that question? Because maybe what you did or said or didn't do or didn't say isn't very Christian. And here's the thing, for them to ask you that question means that they're watching your life. And this question has come up. You know, I've been watching you for a while. I watch how you act, react, and I don't think that's what Christians are supposed to do, or how Christians are supposed to act or react. And then here comes the maligning. You're all alike. The second question, and this is in some ways more important that they're asking. The first question is, are you real? And the second question is, does it work? And the thing about both those questions is they want you to be real, and they want it to work because they need it to be real for them, and they need it to work for them. Because if it's not real and it doesn't work, then they have no hope. No hope. All right, let's go to the younger man. <laughs> Paul, in verses 6 through 9, tells Titus to encourage them to, here it is again, be self-controlled and to do so by setting this example for them. How? The way Titus is to do this is in his teaching. Now stay with me. He's to show integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, and soundness of speech, so that he can't be condemned. Those who oppose, and there are many who oppose, will ultimately be ashamed and silenced, because what are they going to say? This guy's the real deal. He's a man of integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. Again, just like with the young women, young man, the onus isn't really on you. It's still on us as the old guys. <laughs> this is what we need to model for you. This is what integrity looks like. This is what reverence looks like. This is what incorruptibility looks like. And this is what being sound and solid in your doctrine looks like. 
immovable. Nothing phases you, nothing shakes you. I think about the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts when he says, you know, (laughs) nothing moves me, nothing shakes me. That comes with spiritual maturity and integrity and purity, I might add. You're unfazed. But isn't it true when you're younger, (laughs) you don't react that way? I mean, everything is so much more magnified when you're younger. And then when you get older, (laughs) of course age has something to do with it too. I mean, let's be honest, you just don't have enough energy like you used to when you were young. Man, when you were young, hey, let's do this. You get older and it's kind of like, it's all good. (laughs) It's all good. Well, young guys need to see the older guys model that as an example to them. Oh, that's how you handle situations like that. Oh, that's what you do as a first response instead of a last resort. What do you mean? Oh, again, I'll just speak from my own conviction, my own experience. How many times would I have rather that my children caught me praying instead of yelling at somebody on the other end of the phone? Because you see what I taught them? I mean, I I can teach them and say to them till I'm blue in the face, You know, do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) Oh really? No, I'm going to do as you do. Because they mimic you. And it's not just the parent-child. In fact, when, when my daughter was young, and I was younger, I remember I was yelling at the TV. I don't do that anymore. I'm, I'm, I've repented. I'm walking in victory in this area right now, mostly. But, you know, I backslide every once in a while. So here I am. She's just a, you know, a little toddler. Here I am. I'm yelling, why are you kidding me? And I look over at my precious young daughter, and she starts yelling at the TV too. <laughs> no! What have I done? My boys, young men, when they were toddlers, they mimicked me and they imitated me and many of the things that they watched me do, caught me doing, they would also do. Ah, would to God that we would be a good example, men, women, to the younger generation, in our home life, in our church life, in our work life. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't want them to have anything to say. In fact, what we really want is for them to say something like this, you know, I can't really talk stink about them because they're above reproach. There's an integrity about them. They are the real deal. So what am I going to say about them? 
All right, let's bring it to verses 9 and 10, where Paul talks about slaves. Now, this gets everybody's uh, blood pressure up because slaves, oh no, no. Understand that in Paul's day, most of the people were slaves, and some were actually trained in some profession. So you could actually have a servant, a bondservant, that was a physician or an accountant. They would train them in a profession, but they were still considered to be slaves. So I say that because it's better understood this way, and it's better to apply it this way to our lives as seeing this as the employee to their employer. When you replace that word with employee, then it all just makes sense and fits. So here's what he says to them. Christian employees are to work hard, not mouth off, don't talk back, or steal from your employer. Yeah, but they owe it to me. I'm so underpaid. Oh, Wait, you don't think the Lord knows that? You don't think the Lord will make that right? You're going to take matters into your own hands? Hmm. Instead of that, you're to show that you're trustworthy. And here's why. And this is a biggie. It's so that the employer is attracted to and drawn to the Lord. A Christian employee should be the hardest worker of all of the employees in that company. And the Christian employee needs to do that, not for man, but as unto the Lord. This is Colossians 3, verses 22 through 24. Bondservants. Obey in all things your masters, employers, according to the flesh, not with eye service. You know what that means, right? Come on. When the, when the boss isn't looking. <laughs> oh, here comes the boss. <laughs> not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not to men. The Lord's watching you even if your boss isn't. If you think about it, you're not working for Him. You're working for as unto the Lord for Him, as a witness to Him. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing, and here it is, that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. First Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans, the non-Christians, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. So it's kind of like this. you got this 
non-Christian employer, and you have this Christian employee. And he's looking at this employee, and he goes, you know, for all the things I could say about Christians, this guy isn't half that bad. Actually, it was a good worker. And you know what they're going to do because of that? See, you're a representative of the Lord. You're a professing Christian. You're representing Christ. See, they're looking at you, and through the lens of your work ethic, that's how they see the Lord. Think about that. (laughs) That's kind of sobering too, isn't it? Why is the Christian always the laziest worker, shows up late, leaves early, calls in sick, steals supplies? Am I stepping on some toes here? Maybe the the toes need to be stepped on. You know, before I entered the ministry and God called me into the pastorate. I was in the business world, had my own business. and This was back when they had those, you know, Christian direct, business directories were the big thing. So within the Christian community you had this listing, this book of all these Christian businesses. You know, they had a fish on their ads. I'm a Christian. And actually some of them were not Christians at all. In fact, they only put that fish on their yellow page ad to get the gullible Christians to do business with them. Oh, you're a Christian? Okay. And they would take them to the cleaners. Well, it was my experience, and I, sadly, I actually preferred to do business with non-Christians when I was in the business world than doing business with Christians. Sad to say. And this is why. This is why. I don't know what it is that Christians think somehow they have this license to act the way they do, conduct their business affairs the way they do, to have the work ethic they have. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus speaking says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do you know how many people are one to Christ because of this? They see what you do. They see how you act, how you conduct your business affairs with such integrity and honesty. Your word is your word. Your word is your bond. Your yes is yes. Your no is no. And that's new for them because they're not used to that. And then here you come along and you're actually honest. You're actually somebody that they want to do business with. And then, oh, you didn't have to tell them because they ended up asking you, are you a Christian? Yeah. This whole action speaking louder than words. Some have taken it to the extreme of saying, you know, 
I'm just going to let my actions speak for me. You need them both. Actions and words. Word and deed. Like two wings on an airplane to keep that thing flying. In other words, your walk matches your talk and vice versa. I want to close with 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3. I think you'll see why here in a moment. Paul's writing, and he says to the Corinthian church, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Did you catch that? Every single one of us as Christians are living letters, living epistles. You know what that means? People are reading the letter of our Christian lives. What are they reading? What are they reading when they read the letter of your Christian life? <laughs> Is it a love story about your love for God, your love for man? Is that not summing up the entire law? You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you love your neighbor as you already love yourself. And I said it like that for a reason. Because some people try to find a loophole. Well, I can't love them because I just don't love myself. Come on. You love you. So much. Are you kidding me? Love them as you love yourself. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Are they reading a love letter? Or are they reading a hate letter? Would you agree that the hate today is just off the charts? Just the, the vile, foul, vitriolic hatred that permeates our society today. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. And that should never be in the Christian life. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged in your faith as we learn from the book of Titus together. When Paul wrote the book of Titus, he wrote that truth might be taught in order to grow the people's faith. It isn't the paint color on the walls or the carpet on the floor that matters in the church. What matters is that the Word of God is being taught so that all might believe. Are you being taught and dwelling on truth today? If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this Titus series, you'll be able to find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Maybe as you've been listening today, you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You may already read the Bible and you may even attend church, but have you surrendered your life to Christ? 
If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit calvarychapelkaneohe.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for being part of today's listening audience. Join us next time on In Spirit, In Truth. Ooh